Well, ultimate, I looked it up in the dictionary, and I know that we probably all know what this word means, but it means the best achievable or imaginable of its kind. The best achievable or imaginable of its kind. So think about that for later. We're talking about ultimate, uh, not just the sport. But it also says a, a final or fundamental fact or principle. Ultimate. And also in the dictionary, it does say ultimate Frisbee. So I just want to it does say it in the dictionary, at least in the uh, Webster version of it. So, uh, ultimate. It, today we're looking at the final chapter. Sounds pretty cool, right? The final chapter of Ruth. There's only four chapters, but we're looking at that. And, and we've seen in the, in the book of Ruth so far, and just this, this short narrative about this family. And it's really, there's three main characters in this, in this book. And we, we see the main character is, is Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And they are in desperate need after their husbands have died. They're in de- desperate need of provision. And we've seen this over the, the first three chapters that, that the Lord has graciously provided for them. And He's provided for them in the person, the third main character of this book is Boaz. And Boaz is this, this man that's well-known, that's wealthy, that has everything that, that Ruth and Naomi need. And we saw like at the end of the last chapter, Naomi has her daughter-in-law do something that's a little bit bold. And uh, she goes and, and she asks, uh, asks Boaz if he would be their guardian redeemer. Now, like I said last week, it's kind of like when it's kind of like that she went and proposed. She went and proposed to, to Boaz, not just asking for his hand in marriage, uh, but really to be the provider, to be the redeemer, to be the one that's going to provide for them in the rest of their lives. And so Boaz, we don't know right away, is, is Boaz going to do it or not? In fact, Boaz doesn't know right away if he's going to do it or not because he realizes there's someone else. There's someone else that's closer, a closer relative than he is. And so in, in, that, in the law, in Leviticus 25, it, it talks about, it says, if one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property and their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. And so there's, there's a lot of details with this. It's not just property, but it's also just redeeming uh, it's, it's redeeming their lineage, their line, their, their honor, their name. And so Boaz, he promises that he will do it if the other guy doesn't. Okay? So in the end of this last chapter in, in Ruth 3, we see that, that Ruth is, is knowing that she's going to get redeemed. Her and her mother-in-law are going to be provided for. They are going to have this ultimate provision. But they don't know who. <laughs> I think that's kind of interesting that they know they're going to be provided for, but they don't know which person it's going to be. So I encourage you to open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 4, and we're going to see through today who it is and what this is all about and, and how, to, how this story all wraps up nicely in a bow. So Ruth chapter 4. And Ruth is in the Old Testament right after Judges. and The, the, the time of Judges were uh, right after 
the people came into the land that Joshua conquered with, uh, the, obviously, the Lord providing for them. And this is in the time of the judges, when there's not a king yet. When the king is actually the king, Jesus, or the, the Lord is, is the king. Uh, and that's actually what God wanted. He wanted to be the, a country, he wanted the people just to look to him as the king and not need an earthly figure. So in Ruth, we're going to see this. Who is this Redeemer? Who is the Redeemer? So chapter 4, if you're there, it says this, Meanwhile, Boaz went to the town gate, and he sat there as, just as the guardian Redeemer he had mentioned came along. Now, now a lot of things happened at the town gate. Uh, there was a lot of businesses that happened there. This is, and he, obviously Boaz knew right away where or who this guy was that was his closest relative and he knew right away probably where he's coming in and going where he's going out so he he goes to find this guy right away all right and then it says it continues and still in verse one it says boaz said come over here my friend and sit down and so he went over and sat down and boaz took 10 of the elders from the town and said sit here and they did and so then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi has come back from Moab, and she's selling a piece of her land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. And I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest to you that you buy it in the presence of these seated here, uh, in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me and I will know. So I will know, uh, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. So he's, he's giving this, this man this option to redeem uh, Naomi's family line, okay? And he says, I, I'm just letting you know, and here in the presence of the, these witnesses, he brought ten elders from the town there so that they could be witnesses that this man was going to say yes or no. And so this man, by the way, we don't know who this man is. Um, this, the author of Ruth does not even let us know the name of this man. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. But he says, he says, I will redeem it. The man said, okay, I'll do it. Because it sounds like it's a good deal. But then Boaz gives, the, he lets him know one more thing. Verse 5 he says, On that day that you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth, the Moabite the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Okay, pause there. So, so if you, it's, it's like this, this deal is too good to be true. He, he finds out that he can, he can have more land. He finds out he can have more fame, more things. But, and so he's like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds great. Because land was a big deal. Having land was was uh, very important to the people of Israel. And, and so he was, he was all in. But then we find out, he found out, that there's not just the land that's included in this. It's going to be more than land. There's going to be a marriage. And, and we don't know a lot of, about Ruth except for in the first few chapters here. We know she's a, a woman of good character. I mean, Boaz said that to her in, in chapter 3. Uh, 
and she is a hardworking person. She's, she's very loyal to Naomi. Now, maybe, maybe not everybody knows that. Um, she didn't have to come back to, or she didn't have to come to Israel and to Bethlehem. She could have stayed in Moab. But she says, your God is my God, and your people my people. And so Ruth was all in with Naomi. She wanted to provide for her. She wanted to help her. She wanted to care for her. She wanted to be loyal to her. And, and that's a picture that gives us a picture of, of Jesus. This picture of Jesus being loyal. This picture of Jesus giving his loving kindness. Throughout this book, there's this word that's translated sometimes kindness, uh, loyalty, loving kindness. It's actually out throughout the whole Bible, but in the Hebrew and the Old Testament, it says, it's hesed. And actually, if you say it right, you're supposed to almost be like spitting as you say the, the, the first syllable, and I'm not going to try to do that right now. But maybe later. But hesed is the nicer way to say it, just with a normal H sound. But hesed is this loving kindness. This kindness that's, that has people come to repentance. This kindness that just moves people. It's, it's this like almost this divine loyalty, this mercy, this, this love that is given to us by the Lord. And it's used throughout the Old Testament as describing God's mercy for us. When we didn't deserve mercy, He gave us mercy and grace. So this, this we're left with this story, so is, what's He going to do? What's he going to do here? Is he going to redeem the land and include this woman, Naomi, and, or to marry this, this woman, Ruth, and it would be providing for Naomi as well? So we have this, right away, we see who's going to redeem them. Who's going to redeem Ruth and Naomi? Now, Ruth is going to be the one that's going to be married because she's the, the age of still bearing children. Uh, Naomi in this culture that you know she would be included but not as a wife she would be provided for um, just as a, as a mother-in-law but so who's going to redeem them who's going to save them who's going to provide for them who's going to give them the the ultimate provision not just like what boaz was doing giving them a whole bunch of grain a whole bunch of you know a whole bunch of food but giving them a lifetime of provision and so this is the question this is the question they had and i wonder if I was Ruth or Naomi, or I wonder if I would have kind of snuck to where Boaz was, was having this conversation. And I wonder if, not like, not like being seen, but like kind of being like in earshot to hear what's happening, or at least hear who the other option is. Because Boaz doesn't tell Ruth, it doesn't, show, it doesn't say anyways. He doesn't tell Ruth who the other option is. And, and you know, you're asking, you know, you're... you're you're going to be married to someone. It's going to be married to this man that she wants to be married to, Boaz, or this other guy that she doesn't know anything about. And so here we're seeing who's, who's going to redeem them. And you know, our question is, who's going to redeem us? Who's going to take on our sin? Who's going to pay the price? Who's, who's going to pay the price for our sin and it's going to lay down everything they have a chance to do so that it's going to benefit us. Like Boaz, he wanted to do this, but it was going to cost him. 
This other man, he has this opportunity to do this and it will, it will cost him. But who's going who's gonna to pay for our sin? Because it says in, in the Bible, in a few places, it says there's no one on earth who's righteous. Not even one does what's right and, and never sins. That's what from Ecclesiastes, this, the second smartest man in the history of the world, Solomon. Right? With Jesus being the, the wisest person to ever live. Solomon knew. He knew a lot. And this, he said that no one is righteous. Everyone sins. Everyone. And Paul uses this quotation in, in Romans. And he says the same thing, that no one sins. And he says, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul also says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. So if we're all sinners and the wage of sin is death, there's a problem. There's a problem of someone has to pay for our sins or we pay for our sins. And so many will pay for their sins themselves by dying. But we don't have to because there is a Redeemer. There is a Redeemer, and I'm not saying we don't have to die. I'm talking about an eternal death. But we're going to see who is this Redeemer? Who is Ruth's Redeemer? Who is our Redeemer? Well, let's find out who Ruth's Redeemer is while we're, while we're there. And we don't need to keep having a cliffhanger because it says it right here. It says in verse 6, it says, at this, the guardian redeemer, interesting, it, it calls that person the guardian redeemer even though they hadn't done it. At this, he said, I cannot redeem. That's a deal breaker. Sorry, I don't want another wife. I don't want to marry her. We don't, actually don't know if she, he was married or not. But here, he says, because it might endanger my own estate, you redeem it yourself for I cannot do it. So, it doesn't say if he's married or not, but he doesn't want to damage maybe his own prosperity, his own chance of having, you know, he doesn't want to have to provide for these women. And specifically, taking on a, taking on a wife. A, a wife that's not from Israel. So it's kind of like, hey, in that time, like, can we do that? Is that okay? I think, I think, uh, I think he might have, but he just didn't. You know, he said that's going to endanger my estate. So he didn't want to do it. So then, right away, so he says, you, you buy it. Okay? So in verse, in verse uh, 7, it says here, it, it, it gives parentheses for this whole verse. Interesting, right? It gives this little like, quotation, or it shows us something. It says, In early times of Israel, the redemption and transfer of property... To become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the method of legalizing a transaction in Israel. So it's kind of like, you know, you got the spit handshake. You just, it's the deal, right? It, you know, different cultures have different things. They, would, they took off a sandal and gave it to, this is, a, this is our legal transaction. My sandal is now yours. Here's the, here's the deal. And, and so it says in verse 8 that the guardian reader said to Boaz, you buy it yourself. And so he removed his sandal, make it official. And then Boaz announced to the elders and to all the people. And so I think this is why he brought all these witnesses. 
for either way. He wanted it to, to be official. He wanted people to know. He says, today you are my witnesses that I have bought, I'm sorry, brought from Naomi all the property of Imimelech. And he also mentions the two sons that died. This was Ruth's uh, husband and Orpheus' husband. And so he says, I've, I've acquired this property and I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that the name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. And today you are my witnesses. So he's saying, he's declaring this to everybody. I'm, I'm acquiring. I'm doing this. I'm redeeming. And it's not for my benefit. It's for the benefit, really, of Ruth and Naomi and the dead husbands, that have, the ones that have passed away. It's for their name and for their, uh, their honor. And so then he said to the elders... And to all the people at the gate, he said, or they, sorry, they said, we are your witnesses. And then they gave this, this blessing. They said, may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephraim and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the, through the offspring of the Lord gives you this given to you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, who, bore, or who Tamar bore in Judah, or to Judah. So they're, they're giving this blessing. The, the people are giving this blessing. They're, you know, they're saying, it's not, it's not about acquiring this, this foreign woman. You know, this foreign woman, she believed in the one true God. She said to Naomi that she was that whatever God she worshipped, whatever she did, whatever she worshipped, she would also do. And she would worship. And I, I think during this, these months that she was there, she is learning the faithfulness of the one true God. And she was honoring the Lord. And so here, she's now marrying a man that normally wouldn't be allowed to marry a foreigner unless unless she also believed in the Lord and would be all in with the Lord. And so now they're, they're giving this, this blessing. They're, they're, letting, they're letting him know. You know, we, we want your wife to be like these, these women who started, really, who started our people. Leah and Rachel, they, had, they, were, the, they were Jacob's wives. And they had these kids, and the, and the kids that are now have tribes of Israel. Each of the 12 tribes are, are from, from these, well, from some of these, um, some of the tribes are from them, because there was more. But these were the, and so they're giving this blessing. And they're giving this blessing because he is going to redeem, and he it has redeemed Ruth and Naomi. You know, this, this nameless man not even mentioned who it was. And I think the reason that he was nameless, and, and some commentaries say the reason he was nameless, was because he didn't take the honor. He didn't, even, he didn't do his, his job. 
He was supposed to be the one that was going to redeem Ruth and Naomi. He was supposed to be the one that would do it. And, you know, we don't know. I mean, Boaz found him right away at the town gate. So what does that mean? I mean he's, he probably was in the area. And he probably saw Naomi and Ruth. We don't know if he had interactions with them or what, but he didn't do his job. And so the author of Ruth doesn't even say who his name is. He doesn't, doesn't want to give that honor to even who this is. But this man, this, this nameless man, he cared more about his gain, about his prosperity and what's best for him. Where Boaz, when he has the chance to redeem in front of the witnesses, he redeems Ruth and Naomi and, and he looked to what was best for them. And so Boaz fulfills his promise to be the redeemer. He fulfills this promise to be the redeemer. Remember in the last chapter, he said, I'm going to do it if I can. And so he does it when he has the chance. I mean, I wonder if he kind of thought when this other guy was like, hey, uh, no, I can't do it. That's not going to work for me. If, if maybe he started thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe that's, maybe that's not a good deal. But he said he would do it, and he went ahead, and he fulfilled his promise to be the Redeemer. And Boaz was willing to take on their, their responsibility. He was willing to take on and what they needed and provided for them. Boaz wanted, then he received, received this blessing. Uh, received this blessing from the people. And, and uh, there's a short clip I want to show you from a resource on Right Now Media. It's on the back of our bulletin today. Um, but it's, it's uh, just giving a little bit more about this part of what redemption meant. The plan called for a kinsman redeemer, a near relative who was willing and able to redeem. Boaz stepped up and demonstrated this. And this is why Charles Spurgeon says that Jesus Christ is our great and glorious Boaz. Because Jesus was willing and able to redeem lost humanity, to save us from our sins, to claim us as His chosen, and to promise us a life under His protection of His wing. So whether you are single, married, divorced, or widowed, you are wanted by your Redeemer. I get to stand before you today and recite what Job said in chapter 19, verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives. And it gets even better. There's one other place where Ruth is mentioned outside of the book of Ruth. You want to know where? It's in the book of Matthew, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. From Bethlehem, the house of bread, comes Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus is superior, yet, yet similar to Boaz. As Boaz redeemed Ruth and rescued her, Jesus has rescued us. All you have to do is claim that God is your God, His people your people, and where He goes you will go and nothing shall separate you from Him. Maybe you're like Ruth in chapter 1. It's a dark day and there's nothing but bereavement, burial, and bitterness. Don't lose hope. God is with you every step. Keep going. Maybe you're in chapter 4. Life has been hard, but you're now in a good season. Recognize that it's not your religion or rightness, but God's righteousness that has brought you this far. You have been redeemed. Now we get to play the part in someone else's redemption. I have two stepkids, Parker and Ryan, and I firmly believe that God put me in their life to be part of His redemption plan for them. I have no idea who they will become or what they will do, 
but neither did Boaz know who would come from him. You don't know the effect that you will have on humanity. So let's live in a way that redeems others and see how it changes humanity. In the pages of this story, we see God uses pagan girls, God uses bitter old hags, God uses those suffering through a sanctified affliction. God uses rich, God uses poor, God uses young, God uses old, God uses the righteous, God uses man, God uses woman, God uses me and God will use you. Glory to our God, our glorious Redeemer. It has so this is uh, Bianca. Um, I don't know how to say her last name very well. Olaf uh, Ofhoff. <laughs> and she, is, she has a series on Right Now Media about going through the whole book of Ruth. And I recommend uh, just watch, going through and watching that, even though we're finishing up Ruth today. That she just gives a lot of really good perspective. Um, if you're not familiar with Right Now Media, if there's a, a link on our website, eastbend.org, how to sign up or to talk to me or one of the, uh, one of the leaders here. We can help you get going on Right Now Media. Uh, the, you know, it's, it's like a Netflix of Christian material. Um, so it's really great. Anyways, so she was talking about this Redeemer, this, this Boaz. He, he becomes the Redeemer. And we have a great and glorious Redeemer, and that Redeemer is Jesus Christ. You know, who, who's going to pay for our sin? Jesus Christ willingly paid for our sin. It says in, in John 3.17 that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You know, Jesus, when He was on earth, He, he told His disciples what His mission was. And it was really simple, just a few words. He said his mission was to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost. He, he came to pay the price to redeem us from our sin. Is that our mission too? I mean, Bianca was talking about this, that we, it's our mission that we can show people Jesus. That we can, bring, we can bring redemption to people. We can seek and save the lost. Not ourselves seek and save the lost, but through Jesus Christ. So God uses people to bring redemption to all those that are in desperate need of salvation. You know, these, this, this foreign woman, Ruth, she becomes, it says here at the end of Ruth 4, that she has a, a child after they get married, and, and she becomes the great-grandmother of King David. The greatest, considered the greatest king of Israel. The king that was after God's own heart. Yes, there he had a lot of sin as well, but he was a king that was after God's own heart. And through this, this line of David, we, we see that ultimately comes Jesus, the greatest king, the eternal king, the king that would save all people from their sin when they choose to trust in him for the forgiveness of their sins. And, and Boaz, he returned shalom to these, these ladies. He returned this wholeness, this peace, this wellness to them, this, this ultimate provision for them. But Jesus, he returns shalom to us. And shalom is this, this ultimate peace, this peace really that only Jesus can bring. But this, this idea of this wholeness, that everything is in the right place, in the right order, not just the absence of conflict. And, and so Jesus brings this, this to us when we trust in Him. So it does say, 
it does say in Romans 3.23, I said it earlier, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, but then it says in verse 24, and are all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ is the one and only Redeemer. He's the one that laid down His life. He said in John, 7, in John 10 that, the, that He lays down His life only to take it up. And He says that no one can take it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And, and so Jesus lays down His life. He took on the problem of our sin. We can't do anything about our sin. But Jesus came and He paid the price. He willingly went to the cross and He willingly died so that we can be saved. I was listening recently uh, in a Bible plan I'm doing called the Bible Recap. And on one of the days, uh, the, the person on the podcast was talking about this story. And she said that she, her grandmother would make these, these little stuffed animals uh, these frogs that were, and then she filled them with beans and she gave them to the grandkids. And so, you know, she, she, it was a labor of love for her that she would just spend hours making these, these little frogs. And one day when they were having a yard sale, you know, the, the frogs showed up in the sale. I mean, that's, we just had a garage sale. I understand how that goes, you know, you, you, you can't be sentimental for everything. But, you know, you part ways with some things. Well, what, happens, what happened was this, this grandma came to the yard sale. And she didn't come and scold anybody for getting rid of what she made. She willingly opened up her purse. And she pulled out the money that, to pay, and she paid the price. And she bought back these frogs. She bought them back even though she made them even though they were rightly hers. And this is, this is a picture of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. He made us. He, spent, he made us flawless, perfect. But we chose to sin. And we chose to need salvation. We, we, we could not pay back the sin problem we have on our own. And so the Lord knew the only way that we could be saved was to come here. To come to this earth and pay the price. And so Jesus Christ, He, he willingly went to the cross and He willingly paid the price so that we could be saved. So that we could be redeemed. So He could be our Redeemer. And that's why we sing, our Redeemer lives. That's why we sing about, to Jesus. And we, it's not because we have a set of beliefs and a set of rules and a, a religion. No, it's because we have a Savior. A Savior that loved us so much that He died for us. And just like Boaz, who was willing to take on this responsibility and this provision of being the Redeemer, Jesus in a much greater way was willing to take on the responsibility and the provision to be our ultimate redeemer and give us ultimate provision. And he brought us back and he returns us to Shalom. And, and like what it says in, in Colossians 1, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves 
in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus rescued us. He brings us to Him. And we can have life in Him by trusting our Savior. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, we sang. It's the Gospel that we stand on. That Jesus died for us. That Jesus gives us life when we accept His free gift of salvation. That He willingly took the price. He willingly bought us back. Paul David Tripp said, Jesus came because there's something broken inside us that can only be and will be fixed by His person, presence, and redeeming work. There's something broken that needs fixed and we can't fix it. 1 Peter 1, 18 says, For I know that it was not with perishable things or as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life being handed down to you by our ancestors. So it's, it's not just this empty, it's not just a religion that we, oh, we, we just believe some things. No, it's, it's we have life in Jesus Christ. He offered us life being redeemed into His family, being redeemed back into to what He wants, and He offers us life to abiding in Him. It says then, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, and He was chosen before the creation of the world, and, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, so that you will have so your faith and hope are in God. As, as believers in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if you have life in Jesus, we have hope. We have hope for all of eternity that we're going to be with Him when we die, but we're also with Him now. Not in the same way, but we have His Spirit that lives in us and will guide us and will teach us. And so we all need Jesus Christ. We all need Jesus Christ, not just when we come to Jesus, but we need Jesus Christ every day. We need Jesus Christ because He is life. He is love. He is shalom. He's our peace. Jesus is our Redeemer, our ultimate provision and Redeemer. And I want us to think about, as we close today, I want us to think, just take a, a moment. I want you to think about this. How does knowing Jesus, how does knowing that Jesus provides my ultimate provision of redemption impact the way I live? So how does, how does this message of Jesus redeeming impact the way that I live? Not just what I believe in my head, but how I live it out. Dear Lord, we thank you that you willingly came and paid the price for our sins. Lord, I pray that you would reach each person here, each person, uh, each person for you, Lord. We pray that our response is not out of guilt, it's not out of obligation, but that we abide in you and we have life in you. And we know that you are our provision, you are our redemption. You are our Savior. And so, Lord, I pray if there's confession that needs to happen, that you would convict us of that and that we would confess and be freely 
justified in your grace. Lord, I pray if there's those that have not made this decision to trust you, to accept your forgiveness of sins, to accept your grace that you poured out on the cross. Lord, I pray that you would, would bring each of us to you, each person. We know that you desire to be in a relationship with each person, and so God, we trust you. And Lord, we just invite you to, to impact the way that we live, to change us from the inside out, to make us more and more like you, abiding in your hope and in, in who you are. Give us wisdom as we li- li- uh, live. Give us more and more of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.